0: Hey everybody, welcome from the source of all pleasures in the world, the kitchen, and we have a very important video today because we are going to conclude and summarize the recent volume month that has taken place on this channel, and we are going to look at the biggest lessons and takeaways that have come out of this recent volume month. Just in case you need to get back up to speed on what I'm talking about, the volume month has been this six-week-long project on this YouTube channel where... I interviewed some of the smartest and truly amazing experts in the fitness industry about the topic of training volume and just how much training we should be doing to grow the most amount of muscle the fastest way possible. And like I said in this video, we are going to condense all the six interviews that I've done. The experts that I interviewed include Menno Henselmans, Mike Isretel, Eric Helms, Dr. James Steele, Brian Miner, and Jacob Skepas. The table of contents of this video include What makes muscles grow? Is volume the primary driver of hypertrophy? What is the role of progressive overload? Is that the primary driver of hypertrophy? The recent high volume studies and what we should take away from those, specific volume recommendations, how much volume do I recommend that you do per week, green lights and when is it okay to add volume to your training program and a couple of more things that I forgot to mention. Now, I'm predicting that this video will have quite a few jump cuts so try not to get a seizure while you're watching this because this one is very important and I guess with all that said let's get into the video. Perhaps let's start by addressing what makes muscles grow because I think that's a very important starting point. What we can say with a fairly high degree of certainty is that mechanical tension is the primary driver of muscle growth. Okay when you're lifting weights, any kind of weight, even if you're just moving your arms up and down like this you're resisting forces with your muscles, and that puts mechanical tension on the muscle. Now, of course, that by itself is not enough. I mean, after all, you don't see many people getting huge just from moving their arms up and down like this. So this tension, this mechanical tension, also needs to be of sufficient magnitude. Basically, the tension on the muscles need to be big enough. Traditionally, we thought that this means that the weights you lift have to be heavy enough, that's where the idea came that there is an optimum rep range for muscle growth, an optimum repetition range when you're in the gym, something like 6 to 12 reps or maybe 8 to 12 reps, 6 to 15 reps, something like that. What we seem to know now is that it's not necessarily the case that the weights have to be heavy enough. It's just the case that you need to train close enough to failure, basically to the point where you cannot lift a weight any more times, Even if you give it your all. We also refer to this as intensity of effort. Basically, the proximity to failure when you train. Now, as for how intense is intense enough, it seems like if you train within four reps away from failure, so you don't leave more reps in the tank than three, four reps, you're probably safe and you're at the point where you're effectively stimulating muscle growth within a given set. Now, probably if you train a bit closer to failure, something like three, two, one rep away from failure probably that's even better and you're going to stimulate even more muscle growth per set. The literature is not super clear on that, but I think that's a fairly safe bet given what we know. So the intensity of effort needs to be high enough so that the magnitude of tension is big enough. And this is something that the HIT community, the high intensity training community, is doing a great job in because they are training very close to failure. Now we also seem to know that this mechanical tension has to be of sufficient duration, and that is where the volume component comes in. It's not enough to put a lot of tension on the muscle for a split second, the tension needs to be there for long enough, and this is something that even the high intensity training community is acknowledging, even though they are the proponents of very high intensity, very low volume training traditionally, even they won't just do one single rep with the highest possible weight, they will typically do a couple of reps per set, and then maybe they will just do one single set Per muscle group per week so even they will acknowledge the importance of training volume or as they usually call it time under load us in the non-high intensity training circles will typically address this volume component by doing more sets and specifically doing more of the sets that are of sufficiently high intensity of effort once again so we will typically do sets that are within at least four reps of failure so basically a good way of thinking about this is that mechanical tension is the central driver of muscle growth and then there are these two components intensity or the magnitude of tension and volume so the duration of tension that are modulating this mechanical tension component so you can either increase mechanical tension by training with higher intensity of effort training closer to failure or you can modulate it by doing more volume, increasing the duration of this tension on the muscle. Now when it comes to the intensity side of things, you have a relatively narrow window in which you can tweak things. Like I said, Probably if you train a bit closer to failure, so you don't stop at four reps away from failure, even though that's already effective, but you train maybe three, two, maybe even one rep away from failure, you're going to stimulate a bit more growth. And then if you actually train to failure, probably that's suboptimal because it just induces a disproportionate amount of fatigue, but that's kind of a different story. So you can play with the intensity side of things, but it's a pretty narrow window. On the other hand, when it comes to volume and doing more sets, you have a basically infinitely large window in which you can tweak with your training stimulus. You can always do another set, and you can do that pretty much indefinitely, and you will induce the amount of tension that you're putting on the muscle. And sure enough, the literature seems to show that up to a point at least, the more volume you do, the more of these hard sets you're doing, the more muscle growth you're going to induce. In fact, what the literature also shows is that volume has a sort of dose-response relationship with muscle growth that other factors in training simply don't have. For example, as long as you have the same amount of volume in two different training programs that you're comparing, you can tweak a whole bunch of variables in these training programs, for example, how heavy you lift or how light you lift, and you will pretty much have the same results. We cannot really say the same thing about other variables in training. For example, we cannot say that as long as you're training to failure, or as long as you're training very heavy, or as long as you're getting stronger, it doesn't matter how much volume you do. The literature just doesn't show that. So volume seems to have a much stronger dose response relationship with muscle growth than other factors have in training. But it's also important to note that volume is not just an independent factor that is just gonna make you grow no matter what. Other factors also need to be in place if you want to benefit from more volume. So is volume the primary driver of muscle growth? It is, but it's not an independent and primary driver of muscle growth. It's not as clear-cut as, for example, an energy deficit and weight loss, where we can say pretty confidently that more or less independently of other factors, the bigger the energy deficit the more weight you're gonna lose. And note that I intentionally said weight loss and not fat loss for simplicity's sake. So you could easily conceive a lower volume program that would be much superior of a much higher volume program if that high volume program is of very very low intensity of effort. You could do 50, 100, 1000 sets per week if all of them are done like 12 reps away from failure you're probably not going to grow muscle or you're not going to stimulate muscle growth. So the adage that volume is the primary driver of muscle growth is a little bit misleading because you also need to optimize other variables if you want to benefit from volume. I think if we want it to be very accurate we would say volume times intensity of effort together is driving muscle growth. Now let's talk a bit about progressive overload because many people say that that is the primary driver of muscle growth. Progressing in a medium rep range, maybe say between six to 12 reps or six to 20 reps if we are generous, that is the factor that is driving muscle growth. And I think to address what the true role of progressive overload is, first let's take the reverse of the situation. What would happen if we never progressed our training whatsoever in weight or in reps? So let's say you go to the gym and you do a very, very challenging set of something. Let's say you bench press for eight reps with 100 kilos, and that is truly pushing you to your limits. So you're just able to grind out that last rep you're doing. In theory, at least, with that very, very challenging, super intense set, you would stimulate the most amount of muscle growth. Because it has taken you very close to failure, but you just didn't reach the point of failure. So that should be the max stimulus, in theory at least, that you could get out of it. Now, if you adapt to that training stimulus over the course of the next few days or the next week, you could probably go back and do the same very intense set, but with a little bit of higher weight and for the same amount of reps. So if last time it was 100 kilos, maybe now you could micro load it a bit and you could do it with 101 kilos, let's say. Now, what you could also do is you could go back and not progress your training whatsoever. You could just do the same amount of reps with the same weight. What you would find this time is that the set would feel a little bit easier. It would still be challenging. You would still have to exert yourself for those final couple of reps, but you just don't have to grind as hard as you did the last time. And it makes sense. I mean, you've probably gotten a tiny bit bigger from the last workout. Your nervous system got a bit more fine tuned. So the same reps with the same weight is going to feel a little bit easier because you could lift heavier after all if you wanted to. But you're still going to get a training stimulus out of that. That's the important part. Because you would still have to exert yourself. It would still be challenging. It still wouldn't feel like doing warm-up sets. You still have to grind a bit. You just don't have to grind as much as you did the last time. And remember in the beginning, we said that if you're training within four reps away from failure, that is going to stimulate muscle growth effectively. You don't have to train very, very close to failure to get an effective stimulus from your training. So you could just go back, not progress your training whatsoever, and for a while, you would still get an effective stimulus for growth. Now, if you kept going back again and again for weeks and weeks and months and months on end and not progress your training whatsoever, eventually it would get to the point where that weight for that amount of reps would just feel very, very easy. It would just feel like doing warm-up sets after a certain point. It would probably actually take a while until you would get to that point, especially if you're pretty advanced already, but that point would inevitably come. And that is exactly what we are trying to prevent, proactively so, by progressively overloading our training, by lifting heavier weights when we can and doing more reps when we can. We are doing that so that the training we do remains challenging. We are doing that so that we are still within that optimal failure proximity and we are effectively stimulating growth. So it's not the case that progressive overload is the driver of muscle growth. It's more so muscle growth and adaptation to training is what's driving the need for progressive overload. So saying that progressive overload it drives muscle growth is a little bit like saying that the driver of fat loss is dropping your calories lower and lower over the course of the weeks. No, the driver of fat loss is an energy deficit and as you're getting leaner you may have to drop your calories lower over time to ensure that you're still in an energy deficit. Because as your body gets smaller and as your metabolism adapts a little bit, you may have to drop your calories lower so that you're still in an energy deficit. Hey guys, just a second. Are you enjoying this podcast? If so, I'd really appreciate you dropping a five-star rating on the Sustainable Self-Development Podcast on iTunes. That will help me to grow this podcast, rank higher on the platform, and get more high-quality guests over time, which is a win-win for everybody. So if you could do this a little bit of favor for me, I'll owe you one. Thanks a lot, guys, and let's continue. Now, let's talk about these recent very high volume studies, namely the Schoenfeld one and the Radielli one, which have shown super super high volumes, as high as 45 sets a week, being beneficial for muscle growth. You know what I would say about these studies is, as far as reinforcing and confirming the notion that there is this dose response relationship with volume and muscle growth, these studies are perfectly fine now as far as the specifics of the studies such as super high volumes as high as 45 sets a week being beneficial for muscle growth i would say we have to be very very skeptical and it's not because of some grand conspiracy like schoenfeld and the high volume clan are trying to overtake the world and there is data frauding not because of that but it is because there is one elephant in the room which grants that skepticism and that is I am very skeptical about how hard these people were training in this study. And that is because the studies claim that the participants in these studies were training to failure, which quite simply, I just do not buy. Okay, just so we are clear for the record, training to failure means that you literally cannot lift the bar anymore. Okay, if you were to do the bench press, that would mean that you would get stuck somewhere here, and then your spotter would have to lift the weight for you and help you unlock it. A few people do that on upper body lifts, mainly machine and isolation work. Pretty much nobody does it on exercises like the squat. I have honestly never seen a person collapsing in the gym and dumping the bar behind them because they failed the lift. If you want to find clips on that on YouTube, it will be very hard because pretty much nobody does it unless it's for some crazy challenge or something. This study claimed that the people were squatting and leg pressing to failure and quite simply, I just don't buy that. More than likely what they actually meant by training to failure was volitional failure, so the point when the participants felt like they, they couldn't do another rep with good technique, they just racked the bar. So what did that mean in practice? Was that two reps away from failure, one rep away from failure, three reps? It could be. The point is, we don't know. And since we don't know, We cannot really know how that study translates itself when you think of the type of training that you're doing probably, the type of training that I'm doing, which is pretty intense, you know, a legitimate one or two reps away from failure in most sets, actually trying to progress the weight and or the reps. When you think of training like that, I am just not sure that had the participants trained with that kind of intensity, what would have been the most amount of volume they could have recovered from in these studies. It could be 45 sets, but we just don't know. And so I remain to be skeptical about them. And one thing that grants further justification to my skepticism is that amongst all the studies that have come out in recent years showing benefits from higher volumes, there have been a few that have shown negative effects from higher volumes and two specifically that I can think of actually showed negative effects from 20 sets a week as opposed to just 10 sets a week. And interestingly, two names that I recognize on both of these studies is Dr. James Fisher and Dr. James Steele, who are, surprise surprise, representatives of the high intensity training community. And that is important because I have seen these guys conduct training sessions and some of their colleagues like Drew Bay and Doug McGuff and there you will actually see guys huffing and puffing, shaking under a bar and pushing against it as hard as they can and the bar is not moving. These guys are truly training to failure, oftentimes beyond failure. So when I see the names of these guys on a study, I am just much more confident that training to failure actually meant training to failure. And I just find too accidental that these two studies have shown negative effects from higher training volumes. So the point is that if we actually ensure a proper intensity of effort and a motivation to progress your training over time, I am just skeptical that these 45 sets a week would actually be beneficial for muscle growth. But the point is, we just don't know yet, and I am just skeptical. Now with that, let's get into some actual recommendations for volume, which might not be the best time to address this. Maybe I should leave this to the end, but I think since we talked about the high volume studies, it is convenient to address them now. What is the amount of volume I would recommend for most of you guys, whom are probably between early stage intermediates and advanced lifters? You know, as a very general classification, which could be very much debated, I would say that anything below 10 sets a week is low volume, 10 to 15 sets a week is moderate volume, 15 to 20 sets is moderately high volume, 20 to 25 sets is high volume, and anything over 25 sets is very high volume, and anything over 100 sets is century magnificently high volume. That was just a joke. So I think it kind of just naturally follows that the moderate to moderately high volume range is a very good one for most of you to aim for, which translates itself to 10 to 20 hard sets a week. 10 to 20 sets is very manageable for most people. You can make it work with a number of different splits. You can be in the gym anywhere from three to six, seven times a week and you can make it work. And to be honest, even 20 sets is fairly doable, especially if you are willing to do something crazy like me, like doing full body sessions daily. You only have to do like three sets a day and that lands you at around 20 sets a week. Easy peasy, my bacon is greasy. Now, of course, where you fall on the novice to advanced trainee spectrum will bias where you should aim within the spectrum. So if you're closer to the novice stage, you should probably aim somewhere in the 10 to 15 range. If you're more advanced, maybe the 15 to 20 range is a bit more viable. And Other factors as well, such as recovery status, um, nutritional status, are you cutting or are you eating in a calorie surplus? All these things will naturally influence how much volume you should be doing. When it comes to very high volumes of training, so 25 sets or over, I think it is fine if you want to experiment with that. However, there is one thing you should know about very high volume training, which rarely gets mentioned, but I think it's important. And that is one of the biggest priorities that you have with any given training block is assessing whether your training approach is effective or not and that is where once again progressive overload comes in because if you can progress as it would be expected based on your training status then you can be confident that all else being equal the amount of volume you do is at least not way off. So if you're able to add weight to the bar or do more reps, as is expected based on how advanced you are, then you can be confident that even if you didn't nail the exact amount of volume you need perfectly, you're at least not way off. If, however, your progress is way off and you're not able to overload your training over the course of a month or two months on average, as is expected of you based on your training status, then probably you're either undershooting or overshooting your volume. And as far as how you know which one is the case, If you're doing less than 10 sets a week on average, it is unlikely that overtraining is the issue. And if you're doing more than 20 sets a week, it is unlikely that undertraining is the issue. Now, when you're doing a very high volume of training, just the sheer exposure of your body to the weights lifted can take its toll on your connective tissue and joints. And what can often happen is that you start out with a given training split and you have all these elaborate plans on how you will progress and how you will evaluate your progress over time. But two months down the line, you find yourself doing a completely different training protocol almost because you had to switch up so many variables, like exercises that you had to swap out or rep ranges you had to modify, just so you can give your joints and connective tissue a break. So at that point, it's basically impossible to evaluate whether your training program is actually working for you or not. It doesn't have to happen that way, this is not inevitable, but the point is you really have to know what you're doing if you want to experiment with these very high training protocols. Now let's talk a bit about green lights. How do you know if you should or if it's okay for you to add volume to your current program? Of course, we've all heard the age-old adage that if your program is working for you, fine at the moment, don't change anything. If you're progressing, don't change your program, don't add volume. But come on, that's not the language that the passionate people speak, right? I mean, imagine that if you wanted to make more money and then someone came to you and said, if you're making any money, don't change anything, don't try to work more, be happy that you're making money come on bro you're stepping on my dreams right here. So I would say that if you want to experiment with higher volumes because you want to make more progress it is completely fine to do that however there are three caveats that we should address. The number one most important one perhaps is that if you're currently doing say 10 sets a week and you want to work yourself up to 20 sets a week to see if you can grow muscles faster it is fine to do that but it is important that you do that gradually only increase the amount of volume you do by 10 to 20% at a time. Don't just double your training volume overnight. A lot of people have gotten hurt doing that and it is just not a good idea. So if you're currently doing 10 sets a week, first go to 12 sets and do that for two weeks, then go to 14 sets and do that for two weeks. And over time, it probably should take you at least like two months, until you get up to as high as 20 sets so be gradual and measured with your increase in training volume don't just jump into something crazy all of a sudden because you might get hurt doing that the second big caveat is it is okay to increase your training volume if for one your training program currently is sustainable meaning you can do that weeks and weeks on end and you're not developing niggles gradually and you're not on the verge of getting injured at all times. Okay, because if your current program with your exercise selection and training intensities is on the verge of getting you hurt, doing even more sets is probably not going to be a good idea. So that's the first thing and the second thing is it's okay to add volume if you're not already in a recovery hole with your current training volume. So if you're doing say 15 sets a week, but you're barely able to recover from that because your stress management and sleep management, nutritional management is all over the place then doing 20 sets is probably not gonna benefit you. In fact, it's probably gonna backfire. Be objective about your current training volume and where your recovery status is. And if your recovery status is shit, first fix that and then think about increasing the training stress. And I'm not saying that you have to get nine and a half hours of sleep and you need to go to bed when the sun goes down and you have to be waken up by an organic rooster that comes from your country of origin. No, but it has to be good enough, obviously. Now, before we conclude on this video, a couple of interesting tidbits that have come out of this volume month. And the first one is, and this has been pretty well covered in my interview with Brian Miner. Oftentimes, more advanced people don't require that much more volume, at least in terms of set volume, than less advanced people. Okay, we often hear that the more advanced you get, the higher your training volume should be. And I just said it like a few minutes ago. However, one thing we often don't factor in when we talk about this is that as you're getting more advanced, you're getting stronger, you're lifting heavier weights, per repetition, you're doing much more volume because, you know, part of volume is the amount of weight you're lifting, so the tonnage is more, and in general, you're just able to stress your body with every rep you're doing much more so than when you were a novice or an intermediate. So it is not that cut and clear that as you're getting more advanced and you're able to disrupt homeostasis of your body with every set and every rep you're doing that you should be doing a whole bunch more of these sets because your recovery ability doesn't just go up linearly as you're getting more advanced now of course there are also arguments for the contrary for example Menno Hanselmans addressed this in our interview that more advanced people are getting a more blunted anabolic stimulus from training they are more resistant to muscle damage and metabolic stress so for those reasons you might indeed need more volume as you get more advanced so I'm kind of conflicted on this however this is where it's important to address another concept that have come out from these interviews, and that is oftentimes the people that are really, really large and have great genetics for putting on a lot of muscle, oftentimes they actually don't need a lot of volume. And now think of people like Jeff Alberts, Martin Burkhan, Brian Miner, Mike Isretel, Birge Fagerli, not all of them have been on this volume month, but all of them have great genetics for putting on muscle, and all of them have that largeness and just density of their muscle mass that most people just don't have it's pretty clear that the muscles of these guys are just able to produce a ton of force and probably the reason or at least part of the reason why they are so genetically gifted and they were able to put on so much muscle is that they have a lower threshold for volume so they don't need to do as much volume as other people to get big so the lesson from this is not that lower volumes are better for growth is that part of being genetically gifted is having a low threshold for volume. And on the other hand, if you look at people like Eric Helms, Manuel Henselmans, Alberto Nunez, like these people have fantastic physiques, but they are much like the leaner, more ectomorphic looks, if you will. And I would even put myself in this category to some extent. I would say I'm built much more so like a swimmer than a strength trainee, right? Like long arms, short legs, that's, that's a swimmer's body, right? And so these people will often find that they do need a lot of volume. I mean, Eric said that he has been doing 15 to 25 sets for most of his upper body musculature. Alberto Nunez had been doing 30 to 40 sets for a long time. I myself have benefited from higher volumes recently. So probably there is some sort of a correlation here. And so the last thing I want to address in this video is how should we think about selecting our volume amounts if we want to grow the most amount of volume possible? And I think that would be my best guess for now is do the most amount of volume you can while progressing at the rate that is expected based on your training age so if you're able to progress at a rate that is appropriate for an intermediate if you're an intermediate or as an advanced lifter if you're an advanced lifter and you're able to do that at the most amount of sets that you can recover from probably then you're going to induce the most amount of muscle growth and of course probably you're wondering now what those rates of progression are I would say as a very, very general guideline, very much debatable as a novice to early stage intermediate, probably two to 5% progression per week is really good. As an intermediate, maybe around 2% progression per week is really good. As a late stage intermediate, something like one or 2% progress per week is good. And then as an advanced lifter, it might be as low as like two percent progression per month or something like that so again general guidelines very much debatable but if you can progress at a comparable rate and you're able to do that at high volumes you're probably inducing or stimulating the most amount of growth possible so yeah guys that would be the long concluding summarizing video of the volume month I hope you found this informative and what I would say is If you enjoy this volume month and you would like me to do another theme month like this in the future. So I don't know, maybe we could do a theme month where I'm interviewing different experts about sleep or about, I don't know, protein intake or something like that let me know what topic you would enjoy and i will be sure to make that happen just keep in mind what the purpose of this channel is so we are not sigma nutrition we are not the geekiest most science heavy like natural bodybuilding channel so make it more practical okay so i don't want to make a round table on losing metabolism or something like that so keep that in mind and also keep that in mind that you can always go back and binge listen these interviews so again it was men who mike israel eric helms james Steele, brian minor and jacob Skeppus. i don't know how it always comes out at seven fingers because it was only six interviews but go back listen to them they were super super awesome and once again I hope you found this informative subscribe to this channel if you're new here because I'm doing videos like this regularly and super cool interviews also regularly so hit that bell notification icon to be up to date on everything that's coming up and unfortunately this week I'm not sure if there will be any interviews because I had one interview organized but it's been canceled by the interviewee So if you know someone who is available for a cool interview about some relevant topic, then feel free to recommend that person to me. And maybe I can make that happen until Sunday. But if not, see you next week. I hope you enjoyed this video and thank you for your attention. Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, then please once again consider dropping a 5-star rating on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it would be truly helpful. And if you're interested in more cool stuff, then you could visit my YouTube channel. If you type in Sustainable Self-Development Podcast there or even SSD Podcast, it will come up. And if you're interested in working together with me, then you can always visit SustainableSelfDevelopment.com and you can book a free call with me. We can hop on a call, chat, and talk about your fitness goals, challenges, and we'll see if we are a good fit. So if that sounds interesting to you, then head over to SustainableSelfDevelopment.com once again. So that's all I had to say for today. I hope to see you soon. And with that, have a good one.